Welcome to the True Face Podcast. My name is Robbie Engel, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Most of us get stuck in our relationships with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? Here's a question. What if God isn't who you think he is, and neither are you? The resources at TrueFace help you answer that, to help you live into your true identity. And that's what we hope this conversation with Brad Lominick will help you do. And so wherever, if you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, please remember to subscribe and share and join the growing tribe of Jesus followers at TrueFace.org. So on this episode, uh, I get a friend, Brad Lominick. He's been a friend over the past couple of years. He's been helping out TrueFace. He's passionate about raising up great leaders around the globe. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, leadership advisor, author, and he was a longtime president of Catalyst, which a lot of you know, uh, credited with growing that organization in, into one of the largest and most recognized leadership brands and gatherings of young leaders in the U.S. What you may not know is that he rode horses as a ranch foreman for years in the mountains of Colorado. He played American football in Australia and New Zealand. He was in a rap group. He hopes to play golf in the PGA Senior Tour one day, and he hopes to have his own hunting TV show. Uh, those are, I think, two truths and a lie. We'll, we'll ask him if they're all true, but I know he is also the author of The Leadership Catalyst and H3, and you can check out his H3 Leadership Podcast. It's awesome. Go check out the podcast and go get more at bradlominick.com. But uh, did I, are, are those all true, Brad? Welcome to the podcast, man. This is overdue. Super fun. Thanks, man. Listen, you recorded that. I'll use that as my intro. Other places, uh, those are all true. Come on. The the you know obviously like the conceptual idea of playing on the PGA Tour or a hunting show are just ideas. So yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. I, I'd love to do that. Now, am I a good enough golfer? Not even close. Uh, it would it would require me stopping everything and spending the next twenty four months just learning the game of golf at an even higher level. Yeah. But the hunting show, listen, which you probably want to listen. I mean, do you watch meat eater by the way? Are you a meat eater fan on, in terms of Netflix binge documentaries no. or, or series? No. Yeah. Well, anybody out there get shout out for meat eater fans. It's, it's a very popular Netflix series and they, it's a guy that goes hunting. My, my idea, Robbie, don't anybody steal this is to do the same thing, but take people with me and have leadership conversations while we're, while we're hunting deer or, you know, duck hunting or out pheasant hunting, walking through fields in Kansas. So. Gosh, that sounds awesome. I know you, I would watch that. Wouldn't you watch that? Yeah. And that sounds, I mean, even if it's not a show, that's a, that's a sweet job. You're already doing half the equation. You just need to weave in more of the hunting into the advising and consulting. Exactly. Well, I, I try to create more experiences around the, the advising work. So, cause everybody wants to feel like they're yeah. part of an experience, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Brad, you have, uh, it's been really fun, uh, connecting with you, getting to know you, becoming a friend and you've been through some different seasons and chapters as most leaders have. And it's been fun learning from you and processing the, the adventures, good and bad, and, and what God's taught you. So I was like, man, I got to get you um, on the podcast to unpack with me more. Yep. And we'll let 
our other friends listen into this, but uh, we talked about going a few directions. Uh, pull the curtain back and, and uh, give us a little insight into part of your journey from, I think, I think we talked about going back to the Catalyst days. Yeah, I mean, some people still remember Catalyst as this pretty big conference movement. And Andy Stanley being one of the key voices that was, uh, you know, kind of along for the ride for every Catalyst event. I think maybe he missed one uh, over the years, but it was, uh, you know, it was started by John Maxwell. And we really were passionate about gathering young leaders because um, we were all young leaders when we started it. Um, so I was the head of it, led it for, uh, you know, around a decade. And there were lots of people involved. But late in that decade, we were probably at our pinnacle of success, growth, up and to the right, you know, selling out events, feeling, feeling pretty good about ourselves, you know. Um, and how old were you at the end of that decade? I was around 40. So. Okay. Uh, the classic moment where, where a lot of leaders have these sort of pinnacle or intersection uh, wrestlings with with identity calling assignment, with all those sort of moments, you know, that creep up on us all. Um, but I was not healthy as a leader, even though I was leading a leadership development conference movement. And I mean, the first lesson in this is, you can be leading something that's that's successful and winning, but you can be losing as a leader. Like you can be dysfunctional and unhealthy. And I don't know if I was toxic. Uh, I I, know, and I wasn't burning out. Um, by the way, I don't mm. I don't I think burnout is when you're doing something that is probably outside your your strengths, um, and you're doing it for long periods of time. That I think that's most of the time what burnout is the result of compared to. If you're doing something that's in your strengths, you typically will get tired. Um, there might be other things that pile on that feel like burnout. Anyway, so we, we are, um, we're at a celebration day, Robbie, for the team. We hit some big milestone for selling out an event. And the team was, you know, wanting to go to Dave & Buster's for a celebration day. Ski ball, hoop shoot, all the stuff, right? So we crush it at Dave & Buster's. I mean, we... We got more tickets than we know what to do with because uh, we're all competitive and they, they go to the store and they get use all the tickets and they bring me a gift. Hey, thanks, Lamanek, you know, for letting us have a day of celebration. This is awesome. You're the best. Here's here's, here's something from all of us. And it was it was two dolls that they had bought at the at the gift store. And one doll was an angel doll. You know where this is going. And they're like, I'm like, what is this? What's an, you know? Oh, it, you know, it represents the leader we love, the leader we want to follow. And then and there's a devil doll. Like, why does Dave and Buster's have angel and devil dolls first First off? But there's a devil doll. I'm like, well, who's, what is this? And they said, that's Darb. I was like, who's Darb? They said, Darb is your nickname that we've been calling you for like the last year. I said, well, why, why do I have a nickname and why is it Darb? And they said, because that's Brad Backwards, D-A-R-B. And he's the leader we despise. Like he's a leader we can't stand to be around. He's the leader that when he's around, we run, we run for the hills. Like nobody wants to be around that dysfunctional, toxic, just willing to climb the mountain, but uh, doesn't have a, uh, an ounce of sort of development in his body. And the first 
the first response for me was like, I'll fire all of you. Darb will show up right now and take you all out of the game. Um, but it was a, it was a wake up call for me Hmm. to, to realize that again, like the team was, the team didn't want me to be, to be less of the, of the three on the Enneagram. They didn't want me to be less of the, the driver, but what they, what they needed me to be is also equally as much healthy, equally as much uh, an encourager, equally as much somebody who, who raises up other leaders. And it's so easy when you're chasing something, you're building something. And by the way, at that point, Catalyst was really heavy for me to carry. I felt like it was all on my shoulders, which again, is an immature, that's a, that's a immaturity of a leader is to think that this is all on me because it's never all on me. And, and, you know, ultimately the results are up to God anyway. Um, so all that was a wake up call, which actually like that kind of moment was really a catalytic moment for, for writing the catalyst, to, not the catalyst leader, but H3, the be humble, stay hungry, always mm-hmm. hustle. Cause I needed to recalibrate my own leadership. I needed to actually like figure out what do I want, what I want to make sure I'm actually leaning into habits wise for the next 40 years, 50 years of my own journey. So that's a, you know, by the way, Darb, uh, so the, the two, the two little dolls, uh, Michelle, my assistant would like set them outside my door, outside my office every day. And then the team would decide like who's in the office today, you know, and wow. they, hopefully there was a bit less of Darb and a bit more of Brad. Of course, when the, when the, when the angel doll was on the table, they were like, everybody go in, ask for a raise. He's, you know, he's, he's in a good mood. <laughs> so that was the, the tipping point. That was an inflection point in your awareness of the patterns. Walk me through that journey after that point. Well, self-awareness is obviously a big part of that. Um, the other thing that I think is really helpful for leaders to understand um, as soon as it, as soon as it's out in the light. So in that case, it, the team, the team confronted me in a way that, that felt very like funny, but it also was like a, a really serious moment, you know, for, for both my reaction as well as what I'm going to do about it. Here's what happened, which I think is really healthy is now everybody, because we've allowed it to be in the light and everybody now knows about it. They all knew about it before. They just weren't willing to share it. And there was this like, um, we're walking around on eggshells. And as soon as, it, as soon as it was out in the open, now everybody on the team, from the interns to the person who's been working with me the longest, they felt the, the permission to speak truth back into me. So when I started acting like Darb and I would get short with somebody or I would like, you know, I would have one of those moments. They would go, hey, like you're, you're Darbing me right now. And again, my first response was like, listen, I will darb you into next week. You're an intern. Shut up and get back to work. But they felt the, the, the permission to say to me, I'm so for you that I'm not going to let you stay this way. And yeah. man, when that happens in an organization, on a team, is when you have that ability to, to allow for vulnerability and accountability and we're for each other and now we, we trust each other, we know it's not, we know, we know that we have our, your best in mind. It's hard for the leader who's navigating like some of those dysfunctions, um, but it's so needed because again, yeah, I don't care who you are. As soon as pressure starts mounting, as soon as you get to a place where you look around and go, if I'm honest, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm leading something that I have no clue how to lead. And then you automatically go to Imposterville. You go to, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to default to whatever my like dysfunction is. Um, and so that's, that. this is why for, this is, you know, you know, this is true. Um, what I could have said at that point is I could have said in my leadership journey, listen, I'm a driver. I sometimes, you know, I sometimes get upset and get in people's grills, but that's just the way I'm wired. So if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Well, you know what? That's, that's, that's like level one leadership on the, on the scale of one to five. Yeah. And a lot of people do that yeah. now. They, they go, well, I'm an Enneagram three or an eight. So, you know, you just got to deal with my challenger. No, that, yeah, that's, that's like the first step is self-awareness. The second step and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh is now to figure out how do I lead in a healthy way, knowing the way I'm wired and feedback is like your greatest, your greatest friend, feedback, feedback, feedback is always your greatest friend. So I, I heard uh, three things in, about once that point of awareness happened, um, bringing it into the light is critical for the sake of then being able to receive feedback, which lead yep. to a season of introspection, which is hard and challenging and a lifelong process that good leaders lean into and most leaders don't because it's too hard and disorienting and annoying. Um, I, I, I have a lot of questions for like that journey of how to, once you hit that inflection point, what that looked like, but I want to back up and, and, um, go the year, look at the years leading up to that, um, kind of moment of going, man, I've got Darb, you know, because all of us feel I, me, I go into fast mode when I'm not healthy. Like I yeah. go into like, Hey, situate you blunt direct and it's like i get a lot of crap done but yeah. it's in my moments of inward something being off uh i call it fast my wife calls it fast mode of like not present execute you know like take command uh what were the personal like if, if you could go back and talk to 30 and 35 year old brad um could you and what would have changed that trajectory that Bra that darb wouldn't have come out? Well, definitely making sure that anybody I was working with constantly giving them permission over time to say, listen, again, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. You, you have to be my greatest advocate and my, my greatest cheerleader in regards to helping me see my blind spots. Um, and, and again, what happens early in your career, typically you, you're so self-aware because you have nothing to carry. You have nothing that's going to force those things out of you, right? You're, you're not dealing mm -hmm. with the, like, like the stuff that, that creates intensity. So just being really, really intentional about, about making sure people are, are comfortable and have permission to do that. Um, I, I mean, the biggest thing is you have to, you have to, you don't know until you know. Um, but also I, if I look back, if I would have looked back on my career, even in different seasons of different jobs, I would have seen that that's probably going to occur with me is again, mm -hmm. I'm like you said, I'm going to, when, when things get hard and tense, I'm going to go towards blunt, direct, make decisions, become, become a general. So 
seeing a pattern is always going to be really helpful. And I knew, I knew that pattern existed, but I think part of it too was, was when you, when you start to, when you get, when you get to the certain levels, now you're also like protecting your reputation. So I didn't want any, I didn't want like speakers who were coming to Catalyst who were like best in class leadership voices. I didn't want them to know that, oh, wait, Brad, I heard from somebody on your team that like, you're sort of a dysfunctional leader sometimes. I, that was, that was like, like, wait, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be pretty good at this, you know? Um, So I think just the, again, the, the, the freedom to, to know that, man, I actually am a better leader. I'm a more attractive leader to people. If, if I, if I go back to self-awareness, I'm aware that I have blind spots. I'm aware I have dysfunctions and I'm okay if other people know that. This is such a different thing in leadership today. Because the old days, it would have been, listen, don't ever tell anybody. Yeah. You, that's a sign of weakness. And I think nowadays, it's a great sign of strength that you that you are willing to say, well, there are some parts of me that, you know, if I'm honest, I'm not really proud of. Um, and it's the constant pursuit of getting better. It's It's discipleship at its core. I mean, it's becoming more like Jesus ultimately. Um, so it's, it's a lot of that is, is not practical. It's, it's probably more like, it's probably more posture, you know, to your question of what, what would I do? Um, but I, yeah. And what would you tell? Yeah. Telling 30, 35 year old, because part of that's a maturity thing that comes with time and scraped knees, but what, what would you have heard before, to, to change it before you hit that curve or that, that limit of being darned more than you liked. Um, well, it, it also helps if, you know, if, if you're going, going back to going back to what I said earlier, like identity calling assignment, um, part of, part of my challenge. And this is, I get, this is really helpful for 20 somethings is you, you gotta be clear that, Identity is who you are. Calling is why you're here and assignments what you do. Um, I had to let Catalyst, leading Catalyst, become my assignment, which it was. It also became my calling, which it wasn't. And it had become my identity, which it wasn't. So this is classic. That's classic case of most of us. Like we we, we allow for the thing that we're, we're working on, primarily our job or vocation, for that season of assignment, we allow it to get incorrectly wrapped around the axle of identity. So now it's like, if this doesn't, if this doesn't work, Robbie, like if we don't sell this event out, then I'm, I'm a failure compared to, compared to, well, I'm going to work, I'm going to work hard to get this done, but um, I can't let my identity get wrapped up into the, the what, and, you know, Pastors, pastors also like Christian leaders are notorious for, for saying that they use language like, well, my calling is to be at First Baptist Cedarville, Ohio. No, it's not. Your calling is, your calling is something bigger than Cedarville. Your assignment is. Your calling is why, why you do it is to help people know of the truth of Jesus. And, and the assignment is for. Exactly. And I, and I would say even even, uh, you know, on the calling and the why it's also, it's also, I think it's helpful to understand that, that your calling is specific for you. 
like God wires up with, yeah. with strengths and passions, then it, when it's undergirded by his story, man, it, it's, that's when it gets fun. So my calling in life is connect, gather, and influence influencers. Like that's the, that's the riverbank statement for me on my life. And um, so if, you know, if I'm going back to 25-year-old Brad, I would say you're going to have some seasons of assignment that um, you just want to make sure you don't ever get get off base and off track. Um, and, you know, even, the, I mean, the challenge of leaving Catalyst as the leader of it, when I transitioned and Tyler Reagan stepped in, and the, the thing I had to really wrestle to the ground was, it's okay, like, this was, an, this was a season of assignment that I hopefully stewarded well, and now moving on to the next chapter. Um, but it, it wasn't like, well, I hit my peak, so the rest of the the rest of my life is sort of the JV version, um, you know. Yeah. That's 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 when you get it, yeah. get it incorrectly uh, wrapped around the wrong axles there. And the irony is, when you transitioned, your identity was getting stronger as a son of yes. God. Your calling was getting clearer and more aligned with what you were doing, yep. which is the assignment, which is all tertiary, but it becomes primary because it takes up most of our time. Exactly. Yeah. Which the reminders of our identity and calling, gosh, we, I don't, I mean, I don't have the objectivity without community and relationships to even have a shot at keeping calling and identity primary because assignment is the, the whirlwind of the current. Um, and I can't, re I can remind myself of identity and calling. I can write something, put it on my wall Robbie, you are a son of God. Yeah. You are, you know, a, a model and a visionary leader, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, friends to speak truth when I'm getting caught in the axles of the assignment yes. is powerful. And it's also, if you're, if, if you're somebody who's trying to, trying to even figure out what is my, what is my why? Like, I think I'm pretty clear on identity, but I'm still unclear on the calling. If you're 24 or you're 32 or 18, the, the best way for you to many times uncover calling is to ask people who know you, Hey, what, what yeah. is it about me that is so true? Like, and again, it's strengths and passions. It's, it's, and it's, it's broad enough that it gives you riverbanks, but it's narrow enough that it's specific for you. Right. So this is why like people say, well, my calling Brad is to, is to, you know, know God and, enjoy, you know, love, know God and enjoy him forever. That's actually identity. Cause we're yeah. all like, that's true for all of us as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. what I'm always trying to push people towards is let's, let's, let's go a bit deeper. It's a comma there. You know, it's a, it's yeah. not, that's not the statement. It's a comma because we want to, we want to help you see your riverbanks specifically. Right. I love that. Uh, this calling piece is a descriptive identity. There's general primary identities and then secondary descriptive identities, yes. which I like calling to be a little clear on that or um, unique design. Yeah. Like it, it's the unique design God has given us and that takes time. And so being patient with ourselves in our twenties and thirties and uh, but to help us navigate into that. And a lot of us who are lost and burned out in our forties and fifties and sixties, is probably because we're not clear of that. So the assignment has driven us to be misaligned with our calling, our unique design. Exactly. And that's, 
yeah, it happens so often where you end up and you're like, I'm not sure how, how I got here. And now I don't even see how the pieces all fit together. Um, and, and by the way, just another example, a couple of days ago, I was talking to a, a worship leader who's been really successful. He's in his mid thirties. You know, he's been standing on stages, playing guitar, singing pretty much the last 20 years. And we were talking about him writing a book and, you know, sort of expanding his influence. And I said, man, your, your calling is you're a messenger. And he was like, oh my gosh, that, you know, like it, it, it just, it, you saw him come alive because like singing and writing songs has been a season of assignment for him. But now he's got a new chapter perhaps of writing books, you know, like being a coach to people, yeah. um, allowing for his words to like stir people up. So just that little shift, all of a sudden it gives him room to feel okay to say, is it, when is it time for me to transition out of this season of assignment? I love that. And the empathy, the, the wave of empathy I just had for leaders is that that's harder because the more responsibility young Brad, a lot of us carry in leadership, it, it, it's, it makes the calling assignment differentiation murkier yes. because the assignment is just heavier. And so that, that seeps its way into calling because of the responsibility of carrying that. And by, by, um, and by the way, don't ever think for anybody, you, could your assignment, could one assignment be a reflection of your calling over the course of your, you know, perhaps your 40 year career? Yeah, sure. But for, 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 but for most right. of it, it's not going to be. That's right. Um, and it's okay. That's why it's tertiary yes. to identity. And exactly. Calling. Those are, and, and those are independent of whether or not we're doing this thing for a season of assignment. Um, Brad, we need to do this again. We need round to two. do a round Let's two. Go. Um, and, and one of, one of the things just on my head, I can't shake is that, that giving permission piece. I'm asking myself, like, how intentional am I giving permission to friends, family, people I work with to protect my weaknesses and support me in my strengths and, and you said cheerleader and protector and advocate. Um, I think practically what comes to mind is uh, if we, as any of us, if, if no one in our lives has reflected a hard thing for us to hear in the past six months, that's probably a, a good indicator that they don't have permission yeah. and that we haven't given permission. Um, and so as a leader, uh, as a husband, as a dad, if I haven't heard uh, as a friend, you know, something hard to hear, I miss it. That's, that's a buoy to indicate that I'm missing that thing underneath of giving permission. Well said. Um, so I'll leave that challenge. Uh, Brad, you're awesome, man. I've, I've been blessed by your friendship and I want to wrap up and let you, uh, y'all can check out more at bradlominick.com, H3 Leadership Podcast. But Brad, I want to leave this podcast with you leaving us with whatever you want to leave us with. Prayer, wisdom, guidance, word, whatever you want, man. It has been awesome to have you and we're doing this one again. Yeah, round two. I look forward to it. I, I would say this, you know, the, 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 the journey of leadership is that you never arrive. You, you've always got to keep learning, keep, keep growing, keep getting better. So some, some, of, some of the folks who are part of this conversation 
they're setting at the top of the food chain. And I just want to challenge them that now it's the question of what's the next level for you? Um, the next level, the next level of your personal growth, the next level of your spiritual growth, the next level of your, um, you know, your growth as a friend, your growth as a, as a father or mother, husband or wife. Um, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Um, the best leaders I've ever been around, you know this, Robbie, like they walk in and they're 80 or they're 75 and they're the, they're the OGs. They're the goats. And they're walking in with a posture of, I got something else to learn. That's what I want to yes. be. That's what I want to be when I'm that stage. So start now, start now and don't let your, your current sort of um, false, false uh, summit. Don't let your false summit feel like it's the ultimate uh, Everest for you. You got another hill to climb. Which the atrophy is our, of our muscles, every decade we get naturally, that atrophy of the muscle of curiosity and humility, the more you become the OG and the goat, you got to work twice as hard yes. for the same game. That's exactly uh, right. That's it. Um, man, come on. Brad, you're awesome. You're Love the best, you. This man. Is fun. Thanks, buddy. Love you. See you.